Welcome to the Reclaim Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can visit our website at reclaimchurchtx.com. Well, this morning, I want to minister a simple word, and I believe it's going to help a lot of us. It will help all of us who apply it. But as I minister this word, we're going to be dealing with certain mindsets and ideas. Oh, by the way, before I begin, my wife Jess is here. Jess, could you stand up? This is one of the, the, usually we have our aria, so Jess usually is not on the trips, but I just wanted to say hello, dear. That was it. I wanted to show you off for a second. Um, When dealing with this topic, I'm going to be addressing some preconceived ideas. And we all have these preconceived notions that many times are not even biblical. Don't confuse information with truth. Because there are times when people will just talk. They just say things. And it sounds good. Sounds interesting. Seems like it makes sense. But if it's not backed by the word, be very careful about what you receive. If it's not founded upon scripture... You're on shaky ground. And I come to you as someone who deals with the spiritual realm. We as believers all deal with it. But I come to you as someone who has dealt with some heavy spiritual warfare. I want to talk to you about breaking the power of strongholds in your life. Now, as I said... The moment I begin to talk about these subjects, because I studied the word on these matters, sometimes people have trouble receiving these things because we can become so stuck in the traditions of man, so stuck in religion. And believe it or not, there will be some things about the word of God that will offend you. And by offend you, I mean that you won't like them. If you like everything you read in the Word, and if you're perfectly fine with everything you read in Scripture, you're probably not reading it correctly. If everything in the Bible somehow can always be found to agree with what you've always been taught and with what you've always believed, then my friend, you are not reading the Scripture, you're bending it. The scripture will contradict many things in us. The scripture, the Bible says, is used for correction. When is the last time we allow the word to correct something in us? If the word isn't correcting you, my question is, are you really in the word? If you are not finding things where you say, I need to change that then my friend, it's likely that what you're doing is taking your understanding, your preferences, your ideas, and then superimposing them on the scripture. You see, we see things through our own lens. We need to remove the lens of self and replace it with the lens of scripture. 
And in order to do this, we're going to have to do some spiritual surgery this morning. Because there are two layers, really, I'm going to be dealing with in this message. And what I mean by two layers is I mean that as I talk about the subject matter, as I give you the biblical truths concerning the freedom in your mind, I'm also going to be dispelling certain myths around the idea of spiritual warfare. So as you learn the truth, we will also be comparing that truth to some of the things that are in cycles. Again and again and again. If your life is a chaos cycle, you're not living the Christian life. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The Bible says, I'm seated in heavenly places. The Bible says, I'm victorious in Christ. If your life is nothing but negativity and defeat after defeat and chaos, my friend, you're not living the Christian life. Now, I am not saying, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying that your life will be perfect. I am not saying you'll never suffer persecution. I'm not saying you'll never have any trials. But please don't add the consequences of foolishness to what is already promised to us. See, we all face persecution. We should, in some degree. And some will say, Brother David, we don't face persecution. On the other side of the world, they do. Well, yes, that's one level of persecution. But there are many degrees of persecution. Insults are a form of persecution. Rejection is a form of persecution. So you'll face persecution. You'll face trials. You'll face struggles. Of course, but if you're living in defeat in the midst of those hardships, that's not the Christian life. Jesus came that you might have life and life more abundantly. So I'm not talking about a victory in every circumstance of your life to where everything is perfectly the way you want it. We imagine that when God really gives us a breakthrough that all the money will be taken care of. The house will be paid off. The kids will be well behaved. Marriage will be perfect. We'll have enough for vacations and we'll never have another trial again. And that's not breakthrough, my friend. Breakthrough is internal. Breakthrough and victory are a state of being even in the midst of trials. So I want to show you some things, and as we go through, please, 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 allow the scripture to adjust some things. Because in order to understand how to be free, we have to sort of just move aside some of the, the religious, the religious, I don't want to call it nonsense, that's too harsh, the religious distractions. We have to lay them aside. So you got to break that cycle. Some of us are facing cycles of torment, some of fear, some of sin, some of heaviness, some of negativity. Just you, you feel like you can't break through and, 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 and your life is just a constant struggle. Always defeated. We'll ask you, how are you doing? You just, oh, you know, I'm just barely making it. And I understand I don't want to be insensitive to those seasons of tragedy or even those events that occur that are uh, traumatic in nature. 
I'm talking about a lifestyle. Some of us, if we were the only example of Christianity, people would think Christianity is miserable. I don't say that to condemn anyone. I say that to get us thinking about what our lives are displaying. Some are stuck in torment, fear, sin, heaviness, and overall lack of peace and joy. But the Word of God gives you the answers to be liberated once and for all. You don't have to live in torment. God did not create you to live in fear. God did not create you to have negative mindsets. God did not create you to live in deception. God did not form you to live with depression. God gives you the keys to victory. Now, concerning the area of strongholds, we must understand that demonic beings affect the believer and the unbeliever very differently. You will never see in the New Testament, not once, a Christian having a demon cast out of them. It's not biblical. If somebody manifests in that way, either they aren't really demon-possessed or they're not really Christians. And already I can hear it because I've, I've taught this on YouTube and the comments are always the same. Inevitably, someone will say, but Brother David, I knew someone. Or I myself experienced, wait a minute, wait a minute. What has more authority, your stories or the scripture? This is what I mean by giving more credibility to experiences. And you will never see anyone use the Bible. It will always be, but Brother David, one time I experienced, or I heard of someone who was, or she was a Christian, or he was a Christian, and stories over Scripture. And this is why Christians get stuck in cycles because they're trying to fight a problem that's not actually there. People of God, we don't have a problem with demon possession in the church. We have a problem with demon obsession. Everything's a demon. You know why we say that? Because people don't want to take responsibility for their flesh. Now, now what I'm saying usually confuses people because they hear something different. If I say Christians can't be demon-possessed, they hear Christians can't be affected by demons. That's not what I said. You better believe demons can affect Christians. But can they be possessed? No. Can they be demonized? No. It's the same word in the Greek for possessed and demonized. Same word. Can they be oppressed? The word doesn't exist in the Bible. It's a word we made up to come up with a lesser form of possession. Can they be cursed? Can you curse what God has blessed? So no. Now why is that important to know? And I can do a whole teaching on that alone because, again, it's like you have to kind of go in with like a, a scalpel and really surgically remove the religious thinking. That's important because... If you don't get the prognosis or you don't get the diagnosis correctly, you will not pursue the correct cure. 
So if I am going in because I need to get, let's say, asthma treated, they're not gonna give me any medication for skin disease. If I go in with a broken arm, they're not gonna treat me for cancer. So if you don't get the diagnosis right and you don't pinpoint the actual problem, you're gonna be fighting with a cure that's not meant for your problem. And this is why, this is why, Christians go through cycles. Oh man, I got those demons out, but now I gotta go back for another, it's like, like a chiropractor. People treat it like you go in for chiropractic treatment. Go and get your demons out once a week. And that's why they have to keep doing it. Because it'll always come back to strongholds. For the believer, the issue is not possession. So the cure is not, del not deliverance by exorcism. For the Christian, the issue is strongholds. And every New Testament instruction concerning spiritual warfare will always come back to the battle of the mind, the fight for truth, for the believer. Now, for the unbeliever, if you're not saved in this place, you're on your own. Demons can't enter. Possession is real. Exorcisms are needed. Fight looks much different. And if you as a believer are fighting the demonic realm on the same terms as the unbeliever, you'll get stuck in that cycle. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this happen. Some believer comes, they believe they have, and I have to tell them, you, you, you may be attacked by demonic powers, but you can't be possessed. We pray, they get set free, they go, oh, then they go on their way, they come back, oh, they came back. I accidentally, looked at, I accidentally looked at a triangle, that's an Illuminati symbol, and now I think they entered through that. I'm serious, you think, that's not even a joke. I can name, I, someone asked me, they're like, I yawned, is that a demon? I kid you not. I kid you not. Why? What is that? That's religion. A tedious, superstitious, ritualistic approach to spiritual freedom. As if God is in heaven saying, well, I'll set you free, but you got to get that devil's name. I'll set you free, but you got to know the root. I'll set you free, but uh, you didn't go back enough. You went back six generations. See, it's actually eight generations back. Ritual. So for the believer, the fight against demonic power is different. We're coming at it from a place of authority. We're coming at it from a place of victory. So for the Christian, yes, there is demonic assault. How does this look? I want to show you. A stronghold is a biblical term used to describe human reasoning, a thought process, a mindset, something that, that is rooted in, in, in your thought process. And as that becomes rooted, what begins to happen is that thought becomes a feeling. That feeling becomes an action. Those actions become behavior patterns. So for example, let's say as a Christian, I believe the lie that God has rejected me. Well, how many Christians get stuck in that mindset? God's rejected me. He doesn't love me like he loves Stephen or Michael or Tim. He doesn't love me like he loves David. And we get just stuck in this defeated mindset. Now, however that may have developed, it's opposite of what the Word of God says. So here's what happens. I believe God's rejected me. 
And once I believe that God has rejected me, then I start to feel rejected. And once I start to feel rejected, everything is seen through the perspective, the lens of that sense of rejection. Somebody doesn't save my seat. Somebody didn't hear me when I said hello. They didn't shake my hand. And, and these may sound comedic, but this is how the enemy works. Somebody doesn't call you back. Somebody doesn't reply to a text. Somebody doesn't do what you expected them to do, not just with people, but with God. You go to pray, and you don't feel what you thought you should feel. You don't hear the way you think you should be hearing. And so what happens is now you're seeing through that lens, and everything in your life is seen through that lens of rejection, and therefore... You begin to feel rejection, you see it through rejection, and that changes the way you behave. So thoughts, beliefs become feelings, which become behavior patterns, which become bondages. That is how a stronghold works, and it really goes deep. Because some of us began to believe lies as early as childhood. And if it contradicts the word of God, then it will produce the results of deception. Now, here's the thing about deception. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10. I'm going to read verse, verses 4 through 5. So again, I'm dealing with spiritual warfare here, but for the believer. And I know that we, we only touched very lightly on what spiritual warfare is not for the believer. I have a lot of resources on that. I just did an e-course. It's free. You can go to our YouTube channel on Encounter TV and check that out. Uh, we are getting testimonies by the thousands. People um, who, 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 even people who have come to me and said, look, I've been in the deliverance ministry for 20, 30 years. They said, this will change the way we do it. Christians who said, I was of this mindset for many, and now I, I finally know why. People saying that after years and years and years of cycles, they're getting free. Nothing to do with me. It's the word. That's what the word produces. And so, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm going to read verses 4 and 5. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Now, in this portion of Scripture, of course, Paul the Apostle, in context, he's defending his apostolic authority. There were some wannabe apostles who were jealous of Paul's influence and who were speaking against him and saying, he's not a legitimate apostle. So he's addressing their rebellious and slanderous deceptions. They begin to say things about Paul that just aren't true in an attempt to usurp authority from him. So that's in context. But in principle, what we glean here is that the fight against deception is not carnal, it's spiritual. What is spiritual warfare? I'll give you the definition biblically based. Spiritual warfare is simply the fight to believe God's truth over the enemy's lies. That's the battle. Because if the enemy can deceive you, he can get you to again feel and behave in certain ways. Now let's break down this portion of scripture. The scripture says, weapons not carnal. So the weapons are not carnal, meaning this is not fought through physical means, nor by human effort alone. Then it goes on to say, mighty through God. That phrase, mighty through God, means effective for the cause of God. So this is effective to advance the kingdom if you can learn this strategy. 
And I love this right here. To the pulling down of strongholds. This literally means the utter destruction of and total removal of a barrier. So, so when it talks about this, the, 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 the destruction of a stronghold, the pulling down, it doesn't just mean damaging that stronghold or taking it down to where you could walk over it. If, if it were a brick wall, it would mean even the last brick would disintegrate. You, you don't even have to do this to step over. That's what the pulling down is. It's a straight walk through. The stronghold completely, utterly evaporated, meaning you can be free if you can overcome that deception. Completely free. Not, oh, I was halfway free for two weeks, and oh, I was free for a good two or three years. Not repeating that cycle again and again. You can rebuke those devils. They'll go. The problem is the flesh stays. You can't cast you out of you. And so what begins to happen is, as we start to pull these strongholds down, we experience complete, total, utter freedom. Everything that the enemy has placed there destroyed, casting down imaginations. That word imaginations means reasonings or deceptive paradigms or mindsets, the ways we see the world. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God or the truth about God or everything that exalts itself against knowing God. It's literally what it means. So these mindsets keep you from knowing God as you should. Then the Bible says, bringing into captivity every thought. Now this is powerful. Because when a stronghold is taken, a stronghold like a mighty fortress, before you can take captives from that region, the stronghold has to be taken down. And this is why some people get stuck. They're trying to take, take captives before they remove the stronghold. What does the Bible say we take captive? Our what? Our thoughts. Our thoughts are the captives. Our thoughts are the spoils of victory. Your thought patterns are what you gain or regain when you win in spiritual warfare. So what is the Bible saying here? It's saying that first the stronghold has to come down and once the strong demon, that's the strong man. But a stronghold is a pattern of thinking. So that pattern has to come down before you can learn to capture the thoughts. How do you take down strongholds? It says it right here. Everything that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God. It's the knowledge of God. It's the truth of the word that defeats our patterns and mindsets, if we'll let it. Last night, I, I think I woke you up, Jess. I'm sorry. I had a thought, and I had to wake up and write it down. These cycles that we get in. There are so many of them, but, but I, I had a few come to mind, and I got up and wrote them down. You know, there's lust and shame. Lust will put you in shame. Shame will bring you back to lust. Pride and stubbornness. Some people are just proud of the fact that they're stubborn. And so it goes in this cycle. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stubborn. Yeah, are you? And you're proud of that. Yes, well, the pride keeps you in. So that's why they say pride and stubbornness. Fear and doubt. They're full of fear because you're full of doubt, and those doubts spur upon your fears. I had a whole, about a dozen of them. I don't remember them all. It was two in the morning, but I wrote them all down. And I started to recognize these 
cycles that people get caught in. Why? How do you break that? You have to at some point insert a truth. You have to at some point disrupt that, that cycle by entering something that's different. Now, a lie is anything that contradicts the truth, but a lie is not deception. I said, what? A lie is anything that contradicts the truth, but a lie is not deception. A lie only becomes deception when you begin to believe it. You can lie to me, but if I don't believe you, you haven't deceived me. But the moment that I begin to believe that lie, that lie becomes deception. It starts to produce a certain way of seeing things. Now, most believers try to address the habit itself or the thought or the feeling and not the deception behind it all. And this is why it's so difficult because we don't even know where that cycle begins. A lie does not become deception until that lie is believed. If a lie isn't believed, it isn't deception. And the nature of deception, this is what's so terrible about it. The nature of deception is that we don't know when we're being deceived. That's what's so scary about it. Nobody knows when they're being deceived. That's why we say they're deceived. No one ever goes on teaching things, believing things, living things, saying, this contradicts the word, but you know what? I think I'm going to keep it in my life. No one does that. And if you do, well, that's a whole different message. A true believer doesn't do that. A true believer doesn't believe things about miracles or the gifts or spiritual warfare or the sovereignty of God or the, the, the nature of the word. A true believer doesn't believe anything that they think contradicts the truth. This is why the scripture says in Matthew 6, 23, but when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Wow, deception. And then we can't even be pulled out of it. I find it amazing that if somebody gets up on a platform and boldly declares what you believe to be the truth, you say, my goodness, how bold. Yes, say it. Nobody's saying it. Say it. But the moment somebody starts to boldly declare what you don't believe to be the truth, the tone changes. Oh, that's just arrogance. I can't believe how arrogant. Wait a minute, if it was someone agreeing with you, you'd say, how bold. Thank you for speaking out. Thank you for raising your voice. Somebody disagrees. Oh, that's just arrogance. What kind of pride thinks it's arrogant just to disagree with you? That's the nature of deception. Well, this just doesn't sit right in my spirit on some issues. Really? Doesn't sit right with your spirit or your emotions? or your flesh, or a way you were taught and the way you think, because the word will contradict patterns. And I'm not just talking about our, the things I was addressing earlier, I'm talking about everything. The word will sometimes contradict your politics. The word will sometimes contradict your culture. The word will sometimes contradict what your mom and dad taught you was true. It will. I know in my life it has. And that's tough. I was listening to a pastor preach one time. And he started talking about, you know, 
the, the, the importance of excellence in ministry. Now, I believe in excellence, but he was taking it to a whole different level. And I sat there, and I remember saying to myself, oh, this is just, this seems so carnal. It doesn't even seem spiritual. Like he was talking about how dialing in the lighting and the, you know, I, at the time, I was like, oh, that's just, you know, I'm not going to try to reach the world through worldly means and reach it to the spirit, right? And he's just talking about excellence in principle, good stewardship. And I remember I left that service. I'm driving home. And I said, ah, I don't know. That just doesn't sit right with my spirit. And the Holy Spirit told me, no, you're just offended. And I realized not only was I offended, I was convicted. And I tried to dismiss it. Turns out listening to some of those things that preacher was teaching actually brought growth to the ministry like we had never seen before. But I didn't like his approach. I didn't like the style. And it turns out all I really didn't like was what he was saying. Now, the enemy will tell you lies, not just about yourself, but about your church, about the people around you, about life in general. But here are some examples of lives of the enemy. He'll say, you're alone. And if he says you're alone, you're going to feel alone. If you feel alone, you're going to act upon that loneliness through some, it's overeating, some sexual perversion, some bad relationships, some turn to mind-numbing entertainment. And what happens, they begin to feel even lonelier, and then they repeat the actions. The same goes for fear. Now, I battled, like, really, really terrible anxiety. <laughs> when I was having a panic attack, and my brother... It was my brother and Steve in the, in, the, in the house. I go, guys, I think I'm having a panic attack. And my brother at the time didn't know what, you to, what not to say to someone having a panic attack. He goes, well, have you had your heart checked? It could be your heart. And I just was, <laughs> <laughs> you were trying to help. And it was so kind of you. I said, don't say that. Don't say that. Why? Because the moment you get an idea, if you have anxiety, you know that, that the moment you get a thought, you start to feel what you're thinking. I'm serious. Like I would read articles of, you know, you know, perfectly healthy athlete drops dead, a heart, heart attack. The moment I read that article on the heart attack, guess what would I would start feeling? I'd start feeling pains. My breathing would tighten. My heart would start beating. I would start feeling pains in my body. My vision would start to blur. I would start having all the symptoms of a heart attack when I wasn't having one. That's the power of fear. That's the power of deception. And I'm telling you, I used to get them. I, 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 there was a point in my life I was having panic attacks, I think, two to three times a day for like six months. And if you ever had panic attacks, you know how awful that is. You can't eat. You can't sleep. You can't watch anything to get your mind off it. You can't read. You can't talk. You are constantly in your own mind. You want to jump out of your own body and just escape. And so I was dealing with that for a long time. I did everything. Had the people lay hands, and you should have people lay hands on you. You should call on the intercessors. You should have them anoint you with oil. Yes, break that spiritual dynamic. But it wasn't a demon I needed casted out of me. And had somebody told me that, guess what? My anxiety would have agreed. You tell someone with anxiety, you've got a demon in you. Guess what they're going to start feeling? Do you see why that's so damaging? You tell someone with OCD, you could have a devil on you. And one of the feelings of that is this tickle in your throat. Not in the Bible, but a tickle in your throat. You feel like you need to throw up. And guess what you start feeling like you need to do? Deception. 
And I'm not just talking about doctrinally, guys. I'm talking about fear itself. And so I would go through these patterns, and then I realized I need to, to get to the root of this. And so I started to learn that, that, yes, after you've addressed the spiritual dynamics, there's a dynamic you have to play in that, that liberty. You have to learn to think according to the word. Now, most people would keep addressing this cycle again and again. How would they do it? They would go to a service, and there's nothing wrong with doing this. Go to services, have hands laid on you. That can break a lot of things. You go, they get hands laid on them. They, they sense the power of God. They feel good for that moment. And then a week or two later, they start to feel that again. And they say, what did I do wrong? Where did I invite it back in? What's the open door? Thought patterns. The way you think. So we identify the stronghold by number one, knowing the truth of God's word. Number two, we know the truth by the Holy Spirit. Number three, we know the truth by sound teachers. And what I'm going to do, Michael, I'll send you, if any of you want these notes, I have all the scripture references here on these three, three ways to identify a stronghold. Um, I'll give you the, the, the scriptures, and then I'll give you reference later if you guys want it. I'll give it to someone in your church, and they can email it. Psalm 119, 105, 2 Timothy 3, 16. And then for point number two, it's John 14, 26. John 16, 13. Point number three, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And Titus 1, 9. And I can give those to anybody who wants them to... We're going to hang out a little afterwards anyway. Now the battle that we fight in the mind comes when we compare a truth to that deception. Now I'm going to show you different strongholds here just for a second. The stronghold I've been addressing throughout this message, number one, is indoctrination. And it's funny because... In order to teach this message on strongholds, we have to address a stronghold. For some, not everyone in here, probably a good 10% might be of the mindset that would keep them bound. But number one, an indoctrination is a form of assault of the enemy. Because demons cannot harm you physically. They can whisper lies to you. Demonic beings themselves, not the believer. The unbeliever, again, open game. So give your life to Jesus this morning. But, but for the Christian, a physical attack is not, is not something biblically described. Now, there are stories people have. I, I have explanations for that, but there's, it's a whole different message a whole other time. But what the enemy will do is he'll indoctrinate you with certain ideas, certain patterns of thinking. And the problem is, often the indoctrination is backed by Scripture. Because if you want to kill an animal, you don't put out just poison. You get a lot of food and you mix in a little poison. A lot of truth, a little bit of deception. That's why the scripture says a little leaven spoils the whole, the whole batch. Because that's how he works. So number one is indoctrination. That's one stronghold. And for example, that would be the lie that you have to earn your salvation. It's a works-based gospel. The lie is I have to earn my salvation. The feeling is shame, hopelessness, and condemnation. 
the action that that produces is doing more to earn your salvation. And the result is a life of joyless service, heaviness, and mental anguish. The second stronghold that becomes established in your mind is accusation. This one's hard to break. This one is hard. And most people I talk to will be dealing with this one, accusation. They just can't forgive themselves for their past mistakes. They just, it's like a wall. And no matter what they do, they just, they carry the stain of everything that happened before, everything they did. And they just somehow, they, they almost carry that as a part of their identity. I'm the person who did this. I'm the person who messed that up. I'm the person who gave that up because of my mistake. That, that accusation is strong. And the lie is, and it sounds so good, the lie, that everything that goes wrong in your life is deserved because of your past mistakes. And that you shouldn't be able to really just relax and finally enjoy the life as God has given you now, because at some point, something from back then is going to come and rip it out from you. That's accusation. And it removes the joy from Christianity. You know, you can begin to enjoy your life today the life that God gave you. You can, you, can, you can be free from that past. You can turn from it permanently and say, I am done with it. I'm not looking back. I don't identify with it. And I'm not going to live my life at a lesser level just because I'm somehow convinced that I don't deserve what God has for me because of the past. That is a stronghold of the enemy. And the way this looks is the lie is you're not forgiven or God's forgiveness doesn't apply to you specifically for some reason. And the feeling is shame, guilt, fear. The action, now this is a really interesting one. Sometimes the way this manifests is seeking affirmation through specific questions repeating on a certain sin. And what I mean by that is someone will say, Brother David, they'll message me, they'll say, Brother David, I did this, 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 and this. Can God forgive that? And I say, of course he can forgive that. I say, thank you, thank you. They come back the next week. Brother David, different scenario. I did this and this. Can God forgive that? And what actually you're doing is you're looking for affirmation, which is why you require someone to tell you why you are forgiven of that specific thing. And that's actually the product of religion. Because you don't believe the overall truth that God will forgive whatever sin you bring them. You feel so full of shame, so full of guilt that you need affirmation for that specific thing every time. And that's the stronghold of accusation. Number three, temptation. And of course, we know what this is. But temptation is not an event, it's a process. Stronghold of intimidation, that's fear. Number five, stronghold of depression. Now, let me stop here because we as the church must do a better job of addressing the area of mental health. Now, you know me, and this is partly why I frustrate a lot of people, because I do believe in deliverance. I do believe in casting out devils, and I practice deliverance and casting out devils. That's why people get frustrated that I bring the biblical balance to it. Because it's just, I'm not against deliverance, I'm against extremism posing as deliverance. You see the difference? But the truth is, there are certain things that people go through mentally that may be agitated by the spiritual realm, 
may be used by the spiritual realm, but aren't necessarily demonic in nature. I'll give you an example. I had a friend who was in a motorcycle accident, hit his head. After he hit his head, he began to deal with these bouts of depression because of what it had done to the physical makeup of the brain. He would just lose it. We're talking spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, miracle-believing, evangelizing man, loves the Lord, gets in a motorcycle accident. Now, you tell me that's an open door, I'll call you religious. Well, that's the open door of motorcycle accidents, of course. So a demon got it? No, 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 no. He hit his head. The makeup of his brain was changed, and it changed his struggle with certain behavior patterns. That, of course was a physical manifestation resulting in depression. Demons can cause depression, but not all depression is demonic. And if you're in this place and you struggle with depression, that doesn't make you any less a Christian. That doesn't make you any less a child of God. That doesn't make you any less filled with faith. If you struggle with depression, it just means that is your struggle. And you can overcome it. And of course, depression likewise is rooted in a mindset. Now, that may sound insensitive. Some may say, well, it's not just easy as thinking positive. I understand, because I dealt with it for years. It's, it's learning to develop a new thought pattern. Number six, distraction. Number seven, confusion. Number eight, affliction. That's torment, tormenting thoughts. Now, these strongholds are broken by one way. It's the power of the word. Simple, but not easy. Coming to the place of truth so that if the enemy says you're alone, you point to the promise. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The enemy says God hasn't forgiven you. You point to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. For every lie, there is a truth. For everything that the enemy will tell you, the scripture has a reality that is greater. You can walk in freedom if you walk according to the word. Establish. How many of you this morning are being challenged? Let me just see your hand. The Lord's opening some things for you. It's thought patterns. We're going to go and we're going to get breakthrough in this area this morning. So, so, so here's how it works. The power of God can silence the enemy. But only you can choose to think according to the word. So we're going to pray and, and, and those lying, and what they do is they lie to you. Those lying spirits can be silenced. But then it's up to you to not allow those thought patterns to continue. And that is a journey. I'll tell you that right now. That's not something that's going to happen just instantly. If that's you, there are things in your life that, that are being affected by certain thought patterns. This could be anything. This could be temptation. This could be accusation, this could be just mental affliction, this could be depression, this could be fear, this can be lust, this can be greed. Any thought pattern that you know needs to be broken, 
I want you to have the courage and the honesty this morning to stand up right now and come stand at this altar. Don't wait for somebody else to respond. Don't wait for the crowd to get bigger. If you want that breakthrough, you must stand and come. That cycle of negativity, that cycle of chaos must be broken. Has to be broken. This is the moment. This is your day for God to give you that breakthrough. Hands lifted, eyes closed. Everybody begin praying in the Holy Ghost right now. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you are setting the captives free. I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing breakthrough to each mind and each heart. And I pray this morning, Father, that you would begin to cause us to think according to your word. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to set aside all distractions. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to set aside every deception. Lord, teach us to wash our minds with the truth of the scripture. Teach us, Lord, to embrace what you have said. Lord, we lay down at this altar today any bit of stubbornness, any bit of pride, any bit of doubt, any bit of fear. And we thank you, Lord, that we can lay down our thought process. We thank you, Lord, that we can lay down as a sacrifice on this altar. That's what you're going to do right now. You're going to place your thought patterns on the altar, and you're going to pick up God's thought patterns. Lord, we reject anything that contradicts your word. I want you to say that out loud. Say, Lord, Lord I, reject I reject anything, anything that, contradicts that contradicts your word. Lord, Lord I, reject I reject old mindsets, old mindsets. From, how from how I was raised to how I view the world. View the world. Say this. Say, Jesus. Let me see through the lens of your word. Let me see through your perspective in the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to say amen. Now lift your hands, begin talking to him right now. I want you to speak out loud. Come on, raise your voices, mighty people of God. People of God, begin to pray out loud, asking the Father to give you breakthrough, to touch your life as only he can. And Father, I ask you now, to begin to move and cause a stirring in the spirit. It's time some of you got back at the enemy now. It's time some of you got angry with the enemy and stop letting him have his influence. Devil, we bind you. I speak to every demonic voice. I speak to every demonic lie. And I pray in the name of Jesus that the enemy would be silenced now. We declare in this place that in our lives, in our ministries, in this church, Jesus is Lord. I want you to say that. Say, Jesus is Lord. Now, I want all the church begin praying the Holy Ghost right now. All the church, all the church. Father, begin to speak to us. Begin to speak to us. Thanks for tuning in to the Reclaim Church podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to stay up to date with the church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX.